What's up, y'all? It's your girl, Nurse Ree, and you're tuning in to Forensic Nurse Files. This is an informative but fun true crime podcast that follows the careers of three forensic nurse examiners. We just want to note that this podcast uses foul language, some sarcasm, and contains descriptions of adult themes and violence that some people may find disturbing. So if you need support, please check the show notes or visit our website. So today we're going to talk about non-lethal, non-fatal strangulation. This is such a serious topic. It's a highly prevalent topic. It's something you don't hear a lot about. And I feel like if you're going to listen to any one of our episodes or if you're going to tell a friend or a coworker or somebody to listen to any one of our episodes, please make it this one because awareness needs to be spread rampantly about this And maybe not even just this episode, maybe just the whole domestic violence, intimate partner violence series alone. Yes, exactly. I feel like this one, so strangulation to me is, first of all, it's brutal, right? And, you know, when you're angry and you just, I don't know, you you punch somebody, strangulation, you're holding them there for however long you're strangling them for. And you're looking at, well, unless you're behind them, but you're looking at the person, you know, almost diet your hands, which like it takes a kind of sick a person, I feel like, to choose to strangle somebody. Not only is it, it's it's honestly counted in a lot of our cases as attempted murder because like your windpipe, right, is where the person's strangling you and they could potentially kill you. So it's really serious, you guys. Like it's one of the... It's honestly always in hand in hand with either suspicious injury or domestic violence. And I think nursery even had a child abuse too. Yeah, I for sure had a child abuse, which which I'll get into. And I just want to reiterate, strangulation is one of the most lethal forms of domestic violence, intimate partner violence, whatever you want to call it, sexual assault. It also goes hand in hand with that a lot of times. And it's so serious because people can lose consciousness within seconds and people can die within minutes. And that in and of itself is what makes this such a serious topic and why I feel like people need to know, people need to know the warning signs, people need to know the after effects, what to look for, um, because it's a precursor for murder. So yes, yes. So This one is pretty heavy. So give us the definition. Strangulation, non-fatal strangulation, which is what we're going to talk about in this episode, is the obstruction of airflow in the neck resulting in asphyxia. It's the ultimate form of power and control where the perpetrator or batterer, whatever you want to call it, can demonstrate control over the victim's next breath. It may have devastating psychological effects or a potentially fatal outcome. So like I just said, just minutes and the victim can be dead. Do you imagine like, okay, so I already said the person has to like hold their hands over your neck and look at you while they're injuring you. But could you imagine being the victim? That's terrifying. That's terrifying. Just think about it. Like you're, all of your other, like your whole body, right, is is free of like whatever, but your windpipe is getting crushed. Like I feel like I couldn't even think if I couldn't breathe, like if I was suffocating, right? Yeah. And, and then like your suffocate and suffocation takes, it's not instant. So mm-hmm. you're sitting there without a wind, you know, with an obstructed windpipe, like you said, for seconds, minutes. Mm-hmm. And that's terrifying. That's sick also uh, for the person mm-hmm. doing this to injure the person. So this one is, yeah, this one's crazy. Yeah. And for me, like, I don't know, there's that show, or I don't know if it's even still a show, A Thousand Ways to Die, or like, you know, you have your friends ask you, what's. I love least... that show. Side note. I love me A Thousand too. Ways to Die. Is it still a show? Spike TV. Yeah. And if they anymore. Oh my God, I love that show. It's gone, right? Because I it's used gone, to love yeah. that. Yeah. Or like you have those situations where people are like, what's the least like favorable way you'd want to die? Mine has always been drowning. And I feel like drowning. Yes. Right. 
if you're just awake for the last like i don't know minutes of your life and you're suffering you're suffering you're being strangled you can't breathe there's no airflow yeah and like consciously like you know what's happening and there's nothing you can do about it yes and so strangulation kind of reminds me of that yeah it's you're awake you're struggling to get air you can't get air and it's just like so fucking scary it is yeah i can't imagine and you can't even like scream no there's nothing you can do there's literally nothing and so i just i really feel for these patients they're super fearful when they come in and we're gonna get into like statistics and like what people say and what they're thinking when they're being strangled or like what majority of our patients say. Yeah. But this is a really freaking crazy one. Every time I feel like I get a strangulation patient, like the fear in their eyes is much different, much different. It's different. It's almost haunting, you know, like you almost always know when someone's been strangled after a little while, like, you know how nurses, like when a patient comes in and you kind of know like, okay, they have CHF or you know, they have a heart attack, you know, or something like they'll start to come in and, and you'll just be like, yeah, that person got strangled. Mm-hmm. And so, so let's talk a little bit about the history of strangulation and how it became to be like such a big deal because it didn't used to be a big deal. So in 1995, 17-year-old Cassandra Stewart called the San Diego Police Department. She was reporting that her boyfriend, who was 21 at the time, had strangled her. The case was initially assigned to a domestic violence detective, but the case was sued and closed due to a lack of evidence. Two weeks later, she was stabbed to death by her boyfriend in front of her friends. Two months later, 16-year-old Tamara Smith was found dead in a field in San Diego. Her body had been burned and an autopsy revealed that she had been strangled as well. That same day, her 18-year-old boyfriend was supposed to attend an arraignment hearing. He was facing earlier domestic violence charges against Smith. While these two crimes happened more than two decades ago, they've made lasting impressions on the field of intimate partner violence. As you and I both know, Joy, strangulation doesn't always result in injury. No, or it results in injury that's, um, it, it's not acute injury. It's kind of, I don't want to say chronic, but um, the after effects show up later. Right. Like swelling, right. stuff like that. So at the time, a San Diego city attorney named Casey Gwen actually conducted a study into existing quote-unquote choking cases being prosecuted within his office. The study revealed that on a regular basis, victims had reported being choked, and in many more of those cases, there was very little visible injury or evidence to corroborate the choking incident. So I, now that I think about it, pretty much, I want to say all or... 99% of the strangulation pictures and cases that I've had, I never actually saw bruising on -hmm. the neck. Mm -hmm. I didn't, I didn't, I mean, I've seen bruising like on an arm in the shape of like fingerprints, Mm -hmm. but now that I think about it, yeah, I don't, I didn't really see any like very obvious um, injuries to the neck, not visible ones at least. Now we still have to take pictures of the neck. There's like a set of photos that we have to do. And I think there's a way to flip the, what is it called when they flip the the colors to see the bruising? Oh yeah, like to the invert the color. Tissue bruising. That invert it to yeah. see like the deep tissue bruising. But on visual expe- inspection, you don't really see discoloration at all. Which is scary because now that I think about it, like how many people are going through that and then we just don't know because there's no change to the appearance of the affected site so yeah no exactly and then if you're not like specially trained in this like a lot of forensic nurses are starting to be like you're not going to know what to look Mm -hmm. right and so it's Mm -hmm. super important that er nurses even icu nurses like Mm -hmm. even just the layman like any anybody and that's why i'm saying like if there's any episode you listen to or you refer somebody to make sure it's this one because there's so many things that you can look for that can be a sign that somebody's been strangled and and sometimes these signs don't show up for days weeks no um and and it's it's, yeah or at all and it's 
very important that these are noticeable and they're reported because like we said, this is a precursor for homicide. Yes. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And I've heard of people accidentally killing people because they didn't know the intensity of how they were doing it or kind of like the whole second degree murder thing, like in the moment, strangled them to death. Right. And I remember you saying on one of the previous episodes that there's classes for this because people engage in sexual strangulation so often. Mm -hmm. So there's a a form of uh, consensual strangulation, which is great. You know, if you're consenting to this with your, you know, consent is cool and mandatory. I love everybody. Just remember that. I mean, everything is perfectly fine if everybody's consensual. That love when you say that. The main point of why I'm here: (laughs) consent is cool and mandatory. So, consensual strangulation, if practiced correctly, could provide like a great experience for both parties. You know, Mm -hmm. and I remember um, in the last episode, I was saying I I think it was honestly. It was a center that I was volunteering at in nursing school that was very open to um, LGBTQ uh, population and then also things with um, with uh, sexual, uh, I don't want to say play, but like sexual preferences, uh, things like that to people that um, for people whose play fetishes were like looked down upon i guess and string mm-hmm. consensual strangulation was one of them and other things that were um taught classes were bondage so like performing bondage to like tying your partner up safely um mm-hmm. that rope um i forgot what it's called but have you seen the ones where they they tie them up with that rope um so there were classes being offered the director her who i was working with was talking about it and she had like flyers on um this class that was being held on how to safely strangle i mean safely consensually strangle your partner so where to place your hands and like your fingers and the part where you like I think one of the things was you can place your finger here but not too hard like this is where the windpipe would be so if you want to do yeah. this way and then I think strangling from behind um, okay. which was really cool because it yeah was, like, once again this was the consensual form yeah. of strangulation you know right. and I, a lot of people like that type of thing and mm-hmm. i felt like it was super cool that they offered a class on you know partners and people who like to engage in things like that so i think that's amazing yeah. and i think that every state and every spot that teaches about sex should offer that yes they absolutely should and <laughs> Um, it's not widely known as it should be, but I feel like it nope. should be because it will um, be now. It should, yeah. <laughs> I really need to find. I really need to find some that whatever center I was volunteering for because that place was really cool. They yeah. did like classes like that, like free STD testing, like free everything. Yeah, it was. It was. Really oh cool. my god! Yes. So yes, there is yes. a way to do this safely if both parties are consenting. Consent is cool and mandatory. Um, mm-hmm. But the one we're talking about today is non-consensual, non-fatal con- strangulation, which the two cases, which A, they were minors. So minors aren't allowed to consent or aren't allowed. How do I say this? Aren't, aren't legally allowed to consent to sex? So in the United States, there's no uniform age of consent. It can vary from state to state, but the age range is from 16 to 18 years old. So just check with your governing agency. Strangulation is one of the most lethal forms of domestic violence and sexual assault. So a little physiology behind strangulation. So when somebody's strangling somebody or using an object to strangle somebody, that puts pressure on the carotid artery and that can cause a drop in blood pressure, it can cause your heart rate to drop, and it can cause your heart to go into some funky rhythms. And then the occlusion of the jugular vein causes congestion in the blood vessels, and it can cause increased ICP, which is intracranial pressure. So just all that blood is just staying in your head. Blood vessels can burst, it can cause a stroke, a hemorrhage, any of those type of things. And then obviously they're occluding your windpipe so you're not able to get any oxygen to and from your brain, to and from your lungs, any of that. So all of that leaves your brain in a state of hypoxia or a decreased state of oxygenation, which can be detrimental, which is why 
This is so crucial. This can have lifelong lasting effects in just seconds, you guys. And when we talk about like what to look for in that, we'll talk about the petechiae and like the things to look for. And those are direct result of those passages being cut off. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's crazy. It's so, so scary. Like, fuck. Sick. Like who does this? Like, you yeah, gotta be a sick motherfucker. Yeah. As a preface, we're, I'm not, we're not talking about the people who consensually do it, because that's that's dope that you consensually do this safely, but the people mm-hmm. that do this to cause harm intentionally to this person, yeah, yeah, y'all y'all are sick motherfuckers. You got issues. Like, figure like, that shit out. Issues. <laughs> Check yourself in, whatever you gotta fucking do. Like, no, this is not okay. It's not okay, exactly. So in most Mm. states, when domestic violence or intimate partner violence, perpetrators choke or strangle their victims, not only is this felonious assault, but it may be an attempted homicide. Huh, I didn't know it was a felony. It makes sense that it is, but I just didn't know that it Mm -hmm. was. Yeah, no, it makes sense. Because, I mean, if it's a precursor for murder, why shouldn't it be a felony? Shouldn't it be? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah strangulation is also it's rarely the only offense it's usually associated with some other type of assault so it might be a sexual assault it might be a domestic violence or intimate partner violence situation or even a child abuse like i said i've had one that was a child abuse i've only had actually one other intimate partner situation so i've i've had two strangulations in my forensics career how about you you've only had two i feel like i've had countless i feel like i've had maybe i want to say like maybe five to ten mm. maybe five i'm to the ten. elder were... abuse queen so that's what i, you I get <laughs> your, your, like stats are it's like everything else is down here and then the elder abuse is like up here it's like but i do now that I think about it, I did have one case that was only strangulation. All the other ones were domestic violence, suspicious injury. Honestly, it was probably mo- mostly domestic violence with the strangulation in the middle, and then the one victim that was only strangulation, which is cra- I think honestly it was only strangulation because that's how it started. They I think they mm. were arguing, and then he strangled her, and then I think she was able to run away. So oh, like who knows if she wasn't yeah, so who knows if she wasn't able to get away if he would have like hit her or uh, yeah. sexually yeah. some more. So yeah. I think that's what happened. He strangled her and then she was able to like run get away and then run away. So oh my God, also when we have strangulation cases in the hospital, they have to do a scan. They have yep. to do a scan. They have because to they do want a to make scan. sure Mm-hmm. They want to make sure those things are like those tissues, but also, you know, your windpipe, there's nothing that's swollen enough or damaged enough because yeah. this is your lifeline. Your trachea yep. is right here, you know, and your carotid and your jugular all sitting in the same vicinity. So. All right there. All right here. Yep. Yeah. So yeah, they typically what... always, almost always do a scan. All right. Choking versus strangulation. Okay, this is mad important. So a lot of times the victims will come in and say they've been choked. But on the medical side, we have to change that term to strangulation. And there's a reason behind that. Choking is known as having a foreign body or something obstructing your airway. So say you're eating something and it goes down and now your your wind it goes down the wrong pipe in your wind is blocked your trachea Mm -hmm. Uh, that is choking so it's something is physically in the way of air moving in and out of your trachea yep so in most cases this is caused by food which gets stuck um it could be anything lodged in the esophagus too um which is the food the tube that transports food to the stomach um and just by your esophagus being obstructed that can cause pressure on your trachea from behind and cause your trachea to be obstructed so think about it if there's two pipes back to back um Mm -hmm. and the one in the back is blocked and it's Mm -hmm. that causes it to compress the one in the front right so then it you it ends up being blocked so it has to be it doesn't have to be but it's most often a foreign body right yeah. 
And then strangulation is intentional or accidental when anything compresses the neck to restrict airflow or blood to the trachea and or brain. So it's technically incorrect to say that someone was choked by another person. You should say someone was strangled by another person. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, now that we're changing the language of it, it makes sense now. To why yeah. this this differentiation is important. It's super important. And the general public, I feel like, isn't really aware. Even even in the hospital, I hear I still hear people saying choked. Choked. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So it's good to and be like to research and educate ourselves to know which mm-hmm. terms to use. Um, mm-hmm. just because A, it's safer and B mm-hmm. being like Like I said, the differentiation is important also. Right. Strangulation, it's not only by hands, right? It can be by an object. Mm -hmm. It Mm -hmm. it can be by anything. Arm, Mm -hmm. you know, maybe a ligature. Anything can Mm -hmm. cause strangulation. Did you have any cases where the victim was strangled with an object? I did. So the one female that I did was strangled by a zip tie. (gasps) Oh, that person was trying to kill her. Trying to kill her. However, you can't reverse a zip tie. You can't. However, they had a slave contract. Bitch, fakes. Your face right now is killing me. (laughs) That drop down was like. I've never heard this story. Wait, what? Whoa, time out. Can we do a side? Can we do it? A sidebar? Tune in to future episodes to hear that wild ride. Domestic violence are so like near and dear to my heart. I just, I don't know why I love taking care of them. Like, I just really feel like I'm doing a service that is needed and I don't know. Well, also it's a different kind of pain, right? Like, like we've mentioned before, when we take care of patients medically in the hospital, a lot of the times they don't choose like the majority of the times they don't choose to have cancer or didn't do anything to get it or, you know, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. all the other things that, you know, hospitals see. But in this field, always it's because somebody decided to do something to you and that thing was harmful and induced fear and anxiety in you on purpose because they wanted to. Right. And I feel like domestic violence is different because this person is supposed to love you this person is supposed to be your safety and these crimes of passion. And I hate using that because they always associate passion with the good things. Like, like there's no reason he should have dragged her by her hair throughout this house. Like for what? no reason, but because like domestic violence and intimate partner violence is a different kind of like switch in people's brains. Mm -hmm. It's so like, it just makes it that much more terrifying. Yeah, and I also feel like a lot of the times the victims that I've taken care of are empaths, and I feel like I'm an empath, and I'm always able to like put myself in someone else's shoes and just kind of understand where they're coming from, no matter what the situation is. And so I really feel for these people because I feel like when you're an empath, a lot of times you tend to get taken advantage of. Oh, yeah. You know, and that's not okay. No, it's not. Like we're we're good natured people. We just want everybody to be happy. We want everyone to be loved and have something. Mm-hmm. And when things go south, you really need someone to be in your court. Oh yeah. There's not a lot of people hanging around when some shit's going down. Yeah. Oh yeah. You know? That was my like primary example of my strangulation the other one was a child abuse it was a male um he was fighting with his mom his biological mom about grades in school his stepdad came home in the middle of the argument his stepdad got involved his stepdad started beating him and then his stepdad started strangling him but let go before he passed out and he ran away he ran down the street and called 911 from his cell phone and then came to the ER. Man, that's hard. Yeah. Fuck. Like, super hard. But the girl that I did had lacerations on her neck. I mean, obviously, not obviously, but 
a lot of times I feel like if they're using some sort of object or ligature, like it's going to leave a mark. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah. Um, But hands don't always leave a mark. No. Yeah. Because well, like for instance, the zip ties will cut into your skin. Mm hmm. Or like, exactly. I don't know. iPhone charger chargers or things like that. Like will Mm -hmm. cause pressure in a specific shape on your neck, but hands, not really. I feel no. like I've never seen visible bruising discoloration on my strangulation patients. No. Like the the boy that I did, he had no visible injuries, but he was also African American, but you can still see injuries like it'll turn a purple, blue. Um, and that also African American people or people with darker skin, it's harder to bruise them. Yeah, so it's it's a lot harder. It's a lot harder to bruise. So it's like that's mm-hmm. also another thing that's harder to tell because darker skin it it doesn't just the discoloration on it it's not easy to see because it could be deeper or lighter than like the purpling and Mm -hmm. the yellowing could be lighter than the skin color so right it's the same like like when you go to draw blood and you you know you put the tourniquet on and you're looking for the veins to pop they might pop but you might not see the color i'm really bad still i have to oh girl who are you telling I'm really bad still. I, I'm bad at everybody though, because I'm a peace nurse. I use that as an excuse all the time. Does, but doesn't that in our defense than adults because their veins are smaller? But no. So in my defense, like <laughs> we don't ever have to draw blood because in the PICU or the CVIC, oh, they have central centrals, yeah, heart line or something. Yeah. So we don't ever have to stick them. But also working in pediatric CVICU, these kids' vasculature is shit. Like, right? They are, they're coming in with heart issues. So their vasculature is so fucked off. It's just really hard. And I feel like smaller veins actually make it harder to draw blood because it's harder to hit the veins, right? When they're small, it's just, it's just extremely hard and so thank you to all my phlebotomists my iv team because y'all are my saviors even my picu nurses because picu nurses do ivs way 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 more often than cvicu cvicu doesn't ever do it we might get lucky and have like a transitioned NICU nurse on our unit or a transitioned PICU nurse on our unit or a PICU traveler on our unit and that always helps but for a lot of the core CVICU nurses it's just not a skill that we have and I'm lucky like I said I float between all of these units right so in working in NICU I have become so proficient at heel sticks like I can heel stick in my sleep now now if I could just get the lab draws and the IVs down I'll be golden. Yeah. They have IV team. Oh, hell yeah. There you <laughs> go. I'll be on that phone. We all we love them. <laughs> can someone hey, blood on my patient? Can someone blood on my patient, please? <laughs> exactly. Victims may have no visible injuries whatsoever, yet because of the underlying brain damage due to the lack of oxygen during the strangulation assault, they may have serious internal injuries or die days, even weeks later. So I said this earlier that strangulation, the injuries aren't always immediate. They could be delayed. So mm-hmm. the swelling or the internal injuries that the could affect your brain could happen, um, like have a delayed response. In most cases, this requires evidence collection. So I, for some reason, I liked doing strangulation cases. I don't know, like, what it was about them. I don't know if it was just because it was, like, an extension of, like, assault. It was never, like, alone other than that one patient I had. But so for strangulation exams, it was a separate type of exam. So we always had, like, a sexual assault exam, a domestic violence or intimate partner violence exam. But if that person had been strangled, you have to perform the the primary exam and the strangulation would be its own. Yeah, it's a whole separate kit. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, I th- I think it's great that they started doing that. Yeah, I think so too. Because strangulation is so specific. Mm-hmm. And the ev- so the evidence for it should be just as specific, right? Exactly. So the strangulation process um, was the same as others, but you needed the mannequin, that damn mannequin. I hated, first of all, 
I hated doing mannequin. I just didn't like it. Like I just, it's just, it's awkward. It's awkward. And I feel like it's so invasive. Like this person already got assaulted and I feel like I'm asking them to reenact their assault, which is exactly what you do with the mannequin. So we needed the mannequin Mm -hmm. because you have to take a picture of the victim strangling the mannequin, how they were being strangled, which is so invasive to me. I sometimes I would skip it because, or I would ask consent because consent is cool and mandatory. Um, Do you want to do this? If not, I'm not going to make you. And I understand that evidence is a huge, you know, you need this part of the evidence collection here, blah, blah, blah. But something like preserving this person's, whatever is left of their emotions and sanity for that day was way more important to me than you showing me how they did it to you. Because you already explained it to me. You already Mm -hmm. told me the story 20 times. You already had to Mm -hmm. tell the story 20 times to other people. And Mm -hmm. now, like, I'm going to ask you to show me. That's from Yeah. Yeah. And just to clarify, the mannequin is not like a full-blown mannequin. It's not like a whole person. (laughs) Like, it's literally just the shoulders. uh... Yeah, it was the head (laughs) and, like, the shoulders, right? The top of the shoulders, yeah, yeah, and that's it. Like, yeah. it's not like we're, like, literally dragging a whole ass mannequin. <laughs> mannequin and putting it down, like, here you go. <laughs> so certain places don't have that because it's not considered trauma-informed care. Which makes sense. Because why would you, why would I make you reenact what just traumatized you for evidence yeah. that makes no yeah. sense? Yeah, so, it makes zero sense. It's yeah, not they effective. They can explain and, Which they will. Yeah. Yeah. They will. So and that's usually enough. So, fuck that mannequin. Fuck that mannequin. Fuck that mannequin. Thankfully, I never really had to use it. (laughs) I did, but I would always be... I would also... I would always, A, dread that portion of the exam and B, ask. And then I would make sure they knew it was absolutely okay if they did not want to do that. Because it's very traumatizing. Yeah, it is. So, the strangulation kit also. So, there is a strangulation kit. It's really... It's only like two things. So um, I would swab the left and right hand, right? Mm-hmm. Um, because there might be skin cells or blood or saliva or something on their hands. So you do one swab, two swabs. So every swab in a kit is a pair. Is it the same where you work now? Yes. Or do you just do one? But, yes. But the thing that's different is that it's one dry, one wet. Oh, that makes sense. So it's like you loosen the DNA with one and then you pick it up with, pick the, it up with the dry one. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, so eat every swab in a kit is a pair. So two swabs. Mm-hmm. So when we say swab it, we really mean like a, a couple, like a pair. So yeah. they're the sh- like Q-tips, but longer. But long. Yeah. Yeah. So you do a pair for the right hand and the pair for the left hand. And I always did it over the piece of paper. Did mm-hmm. you? So over a piece of paper and then um, you would put those swabs to dry. And then there was one that would swab underneath the fingernails. So a pair. And that was like a pointed Q-tip. Yes. So it was a pointed Q-tip. You would put saline on the tip of it and then scrape underneath the fingernails just in case they would scratch the person. Mm -hmm. Um, And then you would do that over the piece of paper and then you would put those in with the piece of paper, fold the paper over it so if debris falls out of underneath their fingernails it's caught in the piece of paper you tie Mm -hmm. it uh, I mean you tie it you tape it sign it and then you put it in the kit as like left and right hand then also you would do a pair of swabs on the neck right Mm -hmm. so you would take a pair put saline on it and then swab the whole neck and then I think that's it just those those swabs right yeah and then you would also measure their neck Yes, and that was to measure swelling. Um, mm-hmm. So you would measure how swollen it was at the time of the exam, and then they could do a comparison maybe later on. Yeah, like if they had to come back or whatever, they would mm-hmm. redo it. And then as far as photographing goes, so like we said, strangulation is a whole separate protocol. So we would do the swabs like Nurse Joy would say, and then we would do pictures. And yes. so. We're still going to do a whole episode about how we did our forensic photography, which is different depending on what um, institution you're working at. But for us, we used SDFI and we followed their protocol. So for strangulation, we would take photos of 
every side of the neck. So the right side, the left side, the front and the back. Mm-hmm. And then we would take photos of the roof of the mouth. Mm-hmm. We would take photos behind the left and right ear. Mm-hmm. We would take photos of the scalp if you could get it. We would take mm-hmm. photos of underneath the chin mm-hmm. if we could get it. And then we would take nine photos of their eyes. So them looking yes. straight on, them looking to the left, them looking to the right, them looking up, them looking down, them looking up and to the right, them looking up and to the left, down to the right, and then down to the left. Those photos were a fucking bitch to take. They were because you're you're essentially flashing the SDFI flash in your victim's mm-hmm. eyeballs nine times. And then also, so the point of those pictures are to assess the pachechia, right? Of yes. all the whites in the eyes. So you try to get yes. every angle of the whites. And so the victim, this poor victim, has to hold open their eyes. And like a lot of times they've been crying, so it's swollen and like uncomfortable. And then you have to flash this bright ass light in their eyes nine times, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. and, and, you know, they're nervous and all that. And you're nervous, you know. So mm-hmm. like a lot of the times, like the whites of the eyes are hard to see. Yeah. Um, but when you see petechiae, um, so when you do the exam, we have like um, a diagram. And you mm-hmm. can draw the patient's petechia and mark on the diagram where you see it. Mm-hmm. And um, that's what you would use, like, the pictures as reference for. Exactly. Vice versa. And so for people who don't know what petechia is, it's burst capillaries. So it looks like little pinpoint prick marks. Mm-hmm. Um, so just little red spots is exactly what you're looking for. And exactly in those places that I just said that we would take pictures of is where you would see those for a victim of strangulation. So in their eyes, on their scalp, behind their ears, um, under their chin, on the roof of their mouth. Those are all places you can look for those. Mm-hmm. Um, and that may be indicative of a possible strangulation that occurred recently. Yes, absolutely. And I remember one of our coworkers, that really bad domestic violence, intimate partner violence she had, the one, um, I helped her with the follow-up because Mm -hmm. the patient was strangled so badly that she had to have neck surgery the next day because he he broke or fractured one of her vertebrae. Shit. Was she hanging or something? She got the patient on her shift but the patient was so fucked up like the patient's eyes were swollen shut and um she was barely conscious and she was um she was just really 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 fucked up so she saw the patient but the patient went straight to pcu after because Mm -hmm. she had to get bilateral chest tubes because he collapsed both of her lungs Mm -hmm. um she was in a c-collar her eyes were swollen Mm -hmm. shut um, because he had beat her bad enough. And so I think the story was she got kidnapped by her boyfriend for like mm-hmm. a week, like a long time. And he was just yeah. beating her and assaulting her on and off during that week. And mm-hmm. so she couldn't do the strangulation pictures then and there because she couldn't see the whites in her eyes because her eyes oh were so Oh my swollen. God. Mm-hmm. Oh. And then, yeah, and then she, had to do ne- she had to get neck surgery the day after because he strangled her so bad that he damaged and she had chest tubes, dude. Bilateral chest tubes because he collapsed both of her lungs. Fuck. Yeah, that's wild, huh? Dude, strangulation cases are fucking wild. They're like fucking... they are, I feel like they're shooting to kill like when they do this. Dude, right? The uh, outline earlier, it's like the ultimate form of power and control and I think that's what these people think they're getting when they're strangling. Yeah. People. That's what they think yep. they're getting. 100%. But they're not actually getting. Yeah. And I want to say the statistic that I read was that a person is 750 times more likely to die at the hands of their abuser when strangulation occurs. Ooh. Yeah. 750% more times. Like, That's wild. It's pretty inevitable. Like, it's going to happen at some point. Yeah. That's, that's crazy. Yeah. You know? But like we said, it's a precursor for murder. It's an attempt murder. 
that's why it's so serious. And that's why we're seeing so much information coming forward about it. And I just want to reiterate to everybody listening, like abandon the term of choking when somebody mm-hmm. puts their hands around your neck you go into the ED and you say that you've been strangled and they're going to take you seriously real quick. Yeah. Oh yeah. Real quick. Because like very that quick. That shit is not something to fuck with. Unless both no, parties are consenting and safe. <laughs> that part. Consenting and safe. Consent right. is cool. I just want to put out there to everybody that if somebody is strangling, you say they have their hands around your neck or they have their arms Say they're behind you and they have both arms around your neck. Put your chin down. Yes. Um, and then you can bite them or you can do whatever you have to do to lodge your mouth in between their hands or their arms or whatever. Because people are immediately inclined to put their hands on the person's hands or on their mm-hmm. arms. And yeah, like them. this. But if you put your mouth down, you can bite them. Mm-hmm. You can then maybe open, give it a little space to open up your airway. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's super important. Like you, that might give you another breath, whatever yeah. it may be. Yeah. Like if you can just lodge your chin down mm-hmm. um, in between where their arms or hands are or wherever the ligature is. If it's a ligature, it might be a little bit more difficult. Um but it's and just try to get yeah, just try to get your chin down on top of whatever else you're doing. I've heard I've heard also shrugging, like shrugging your shoulders. Yeah. Yeah, and shrugging your, your shoulders to mm-hmm. allow a little bit more space right here. Yeah. Oh, this is fucking world we live in, dude. It's a wild time. Yes. For sure. And my ladies carry some pepper spray, pocket knife. Ladies and men. Teaser and men. Yes. So the okay. last thing is that we would collect their underwear if they state that they urinated or defecated during the assault and they're still wearing the same undergarments. Sometimes they'll bring um, their armor undergarments to us. But a lot of the times if they lose consciousness, then they'll lose control of their bowels and their bladder. So yes. And I believe that someone had told me that it's not more of, yeah, like you said, it's not more out of fear. It, it could be, right? Like, you know. It people, also could be. Yes, or urinate or defecate out of fear, but it's not because of that. It's because when people are close to losing their conscience or do, then they lose control. They become incontinent. And remember to yep. measure the circumference of the neck okay. because I forgot a lot. All the time. I would be like, I would get back. So especially if I did them in the ER, which sometimes I had to do because it was just crazy nights and like I had patients lined up and so I'd have to knock things mm-hmm. out in the ER and I would get yeah. back and I'd be doing my paper and I'm like, oh shit. Well, didn't do that. <laughs> See, I always would fucking forget. I don't know why. I just, I yeah. just don't know why. I, you know what? I think it's because also like me and you started around the same time and like halfway through um our careers they implemented a lot of this and so it was mm-hmm. like oh we never did this before and now all of a sudden we have to do this and so there was never that like strangulation addendum no 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 wasn't there no. a strangulation no it was a clothing addendum yeah so strangulation i just want to throw some numbers at you guys real quick this is big. It takes six pounds of pressure to pull the trigger on a pistol. It takes 20 pounds of pressure to pop the tab on a soda can. People oh. usually, yeah, people usually use 90 pounds of pressure to shake hands. 90 pounds. Um, 90 pounds? Really? Yeah. So if you think about it, a lot of men are really into very firm handshakes. And I think that's where that stat comes from. This is from the Training Institute on Strangulation. And then loss of consciousness occurs, like we said, within 10 seconds at the max. And then once loss of consciousness occurs, people will start seeing stars. They'll have an unexplained change of location. Like they won't know where they are. They'll start having tunnel vision or they'll have an unexplained head injury. That's the, oh my gosh. Could you imagine like blinking and not knowing where all that time went? Girl, 
It's just so freaking scary. It is really scary. So it only takes 11 pounds of pressure placed on both the, both of the carotid arteries for 10 seconds to cause unconsciousness. I didn't know that. How fast? Well, and that's like, not that hard. Like, if you pick up like a 10 pound weight, it's not heavy. It's not. It's really not. And I've, a lot of people don't know their own strength. Yes, that's true. You know, and so like you're doing this and you're probably putting 20, 30 pounds of pressure when you have no idea. Like mm-hmm. using their weight as leverage? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then for the jugular vein, it only takes 4.4. So four and a half pounds that's of pressure. That's wild. Four and a half pounds of pressure. Yeah. Damn. Yeah. Crazy. And 10 seconds is fast. 10 seconds is really fast. Really, yeah. really, really fast. Especially like if the person's on top of you. Mm-hmm. That's that's easy, right? Very easy. That's easy. Um, um, thirty-three pounds of pressure on the trachea is required to completely close it off. If pressure is released immediately, consciousness will be regained within ten seconds. So if they let go, you can mm-hmm. revive in about ten seconds. That last one, though, this one, brain death will occur in four to five minutes. So I think about all the documentaries I've watched and things where somebody's on top of. Yes, it's like every (laughs) single one like available to man Um, (laughs) or somebody strangling somebody. And they're putting pressure and they're putting pressure and they're like forcefully putting pressure. Mm -hmm for like minutes on end and the person passes out and they're still putting pressure after the person passes out yeah four to five minutes i feel like i've never strangled somebody but i feel like that's a long time if you're strangling somebody but i feel like if you're the victim it's fast yeah Mm -hmm. oh yeah i do so like some of these psychos don't stop strangling you even after you pass out no so they keep going and keep going because they're in their psychopathic state of mind. Crazy, and yeah. just think about it. Like this person, four or five minutes is not a long time to cause an injury that traumatic, and that the, to the severity and magnitude of how huge that would be, like brain injury, like that's. And then you don't think about how vulnerable like your neck is, right? So right, that's that's crazy. That is, yeah, crazy. and then. You think about like, say it goes for maybe three minutes and the amount of deficits you can have from them not going all the way to the point of brain death. Mm-hmm. There's That's so many damage, right? Exactly. I feel like even yeah. off of one minute, it causes long-term damage. So yep. domestic violence or intimate partner violence and strangulation statistics. So visible injuries are only seen in 50% of strangulation cases. The majority and a higher percentage of the ones that I've done personally, I've never seen actual like bruising or discoloration on the neck. And then I feel like that should be specific because like, like you said earlier, people with darker skin in comparison to people with like lighter skin, you can't come, you can't have that percentage statistic because I mean, how many people in what ethnicities are we counting? And then as far as pediatric strangulation goes. Pediatric strangulation. I know. This diagram is so sad. It's so fucking sad. And we'll post it on our social media when this um, episode airs. Because both of these graphics are super important. Yeah, Uh, the graphic on here is of like a little kid um, with all of the injuries that portray possible pediatric strangulation. Yeah, so you'll see bloodshot eyes, like the sclera will be red, there'll be bruising around the eyes, um, petechiae and all the spots that I told you guys, mm-hmm. woolen lips, mm-hmm. scratches around the neck, quarter rope burns around the neck. I mean, oh, I love my peds patients. I know, the little humans. They just have no voice and they, they're not able to advocate for themselves and for me, it's super like this 
forensics is super rewarding. And then I feel like pediatrics is super rewarding. Yeah, dude. As, as sad as they both are, they're both hella sad. Yeah. <laughs> what am I doing to myself? But I know. at the same t- but at the same time, they're both like very rewarding. When yeah. when things are good, they're so fucking good. Yeah. You're insane a little bit. A lot of it. <laughs> pediatric nurse and your forensic nurse i know yeah you're a little bit insane dude yeah a lot what nurse isn't yeah we're all a little bit what is it sadistic or masochistic yeah. sadistic right so, so great oh, all these terms damn misregulation i mean i'm just saying <laughs> once again Anything is fine as long as it is, it is consensual and safe. You can do whatever freak shit you want. That's fine. Yep. Whatever yep. freak shit you want. As long as it's consensual and safe. Yeah. Girl. Girl. <laughs> I feel like Nurse Ree and Nurse Ellie think that I'm a lot crazier than I actually am. No, sure I mean... Worry. Actually, I can't. I can't talk. I'm not talking. <laughs> you. So, the <laughs> nursery likes scrolling through that website. I sent her. <laughs> how can I learn how to do this? Can I learn how to do this? Because hmm. <laughs> these handcuffs I got over there ain't doing on the rope. Like I gotta figure out how to do this safely and consensually. Oh my god! It's totally fine. Do it. It's all right. You know what? People are gonna do what they want to do regardless. It's it's just a matter of doing it safe. Yeah, safely and consensually. Other than that, consensually. Yes. Side note, and you can like leave this in or take it out, but like, have you ever watched like porn? Not to like get off on, but like, how are they able to do these things with their bodies? Like, that's crazy. Oh, yeah. Like BDSM. How do people push the limits of their body to do that? Like, that's crazy. And, like, obviously, you know, like, uh, proper, like, porn production and stuff, like, actual, like, companies and, like, ones that protect the performers, like, and, you know, they do this safely and consensually and legally. Mm -hmm. That's crazy that these people can push their their limits like that. Because that's some of the stuff that I've watched just to be curious about. That like have you like BDSM stuff? Dude, that's amazing. That's amazing. Girl, when I went to Thailand, <laughs> you have you been to Thailand? I have not been to Thailand, but bitch, you go to Thailand and you go to a ping pong show and you report back what is- when you go to a fucking ping pong show. What is that? <laughs> what is that? God damn, it feels like these domestic violence and intimate partner violence episodes just won't quit. But we do feel like these are hella important, especially today's episode, which was a non-fatal, non-lethal strangulation. So we're just going to keep rolling with it. If you're an LGBTQ plus member, please reach out to us because we'd love to hear and or share your story. Thank you to all our loyal listeners. We're really still astonished on the amount of listeners that we have on the daily. But until next week, y'all stay safe and we'll catch you on the next episode.